0: but He allows us to deal with one another. Amen. I believe that the Lord is speaking to us as a church. There is no coincidence that we had the Sunday school lesson that we had this morning. God exalts the humble, and He humbles those who are exalted. And I believe that even so, in God's providence and His sovereignty, He has brought… See, this is what I love about just preaching through a book of the Bible. I, I You can't accuse me of, of, of looking at a situation and say, well, we need to talk about that Sunday. We're just marching through this book, and the Lord has brought up the fact that we are proud people. And not so much proud in a good way, like like proud of your heritage or or just we're proud that, that God has blessed us, but… We can be real proud in the sense that we think we're more than we really are. We deserve more than what we have already. And my my prayer is that God would humble us as a church in order that we may not just be broken, but that we may serve one another and those we come in contact with. We could be a proud people, puffed up. But the Lord has a word for us this morning. So, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians, the fifth chapter. We're really beginning the sixth chapter, but there's some context in the last two verses of the fifth chapter. So, turn with me to Galatians, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse 25. Galatians, the fifth chapter, beginning with... Verse 25. Could you turn my monitor up just a little bit? As we recognize here at Forest Baptist Church that we do not sit on top of the Word as if we are the authority, but we sit under the Word because the Word of God is the authority. So as we read this passage of Scripture, please hear the voice of Christ. Galatians, the fifth chapter, beginning with the 25th verse, and the Word of God reads, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone, pay attention, thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse 4 But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Verse 5 For each will have to bear his own own load. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Because this text is so rich, we probably will be tackling this in, 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 in almost like a mini-series called One Another, One Another. But today, for part one, i like to put a tag on this text, How to Handle Other Folks' Mess. How to Handle Other Folks' Mess. Let us go to the Lord in prayer as we ask Him to give us insight and clarity. Lord God, we thank You for the privilege to come before Your holy Word. And Lord, I beg that you would warm our hearts with the fire of your word today. Lord, let us not glance over these words. Let us not glance over this text like this is common. But Lord, these are the very words of Jesus speaking to us. So Lord, I beg that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that you would crush our prideful hearts, that we would not be puffed up, but that we would be low, that you would build us up that we would serve you well. Father, please forgive us of our sins today, the ways we have dishonored you with our life and with our lips, with our looks. We ask that you would have mercy by allowing us to have clarity and understanding to your word, that you would pour out your word upon our hearts. May Seeds of righteousness be sown, and may a harvest be brought forth and reaped. Lord, we ask that you do the impossible here, and that you would refresh and revive and renew us. May you restore to us the joy of our salvation. May we reflect your glory by serving one another well. Father, please speak as your servants are listening may you bless your word and bless this moment. May you use a broken vessel like me to speak the glories of Christ. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Have you ever had one of those moments in life where you look back on and you can laugh at, but at the moment you wasn't laughing? I've had a number of those moments in my life. One moment that I that comes back finally. And that I, I laugh at now, but when I was going through it, it was tough. I think back to one year when I volunteered to take a group of students to camp. And being that I had not attended this camp before, I I depended on the description of this camp from other people and they said that it would be a great time and it sounded like it would be a great time. So we get to the location for the pickup where the buses would get us and we would go to camp and it wasn't soon after our arrival that I figured out that I was in for some trouble. We had boarded the bus and I found myself, we had just got on the bus and I'm I'm breaking up fights already. Ain't nobody listening and then uh, a piece of information stood out suddenly that I didn't recognize before. See, I thought I was just bringing our group to go on the trip, and I was responsible for our group. But when I showed up, I was actually responsible for over 20 middle school boys. Yeah. They're on the bus going crazy, fighting, arguing. And y'all know me. I'm like, chill. I'm like, ah, oh, chill out. Y'all stop. And they, they going at it. I'm like, what is going on? We show up to the place. And the staff gives a, give us an introduction of the rules, and, and I find out not only am I responsible for these young men, but they had a, 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 a warning system of red light, yellow light, green light. As long as you was on green light, you was good. If your student was on yellow light, I mean, it was a warning. You needed to have a talk with them. And if your student got on a red light, they was kicked out of camp. I'm like, man, that's all cold. First day, two boys on yellow already. And I'm like, what is going on? And then third day, in the middle of the night, I am startled out of my sleep by camp security with flashlights in my eyes. I'm like, come on now. Nah. I, 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 I am from Inkster. Don't be coming in with flashlights in my eyes. And they startling me because one of my boys just getting in a fight. Now he's on red and kicked out of camp. Oh, but I forgot to tell you, when they get kicked out of camp, they get sent to sleep in this, in, in, in the gym, in this barn, in the middle of the camp with no air conditioning. But by the way, their counselor had to stay with them too. I gather my things and I move to this gym. And ain't no beds, it's just like mats. And I had to spend the entire day with this boy. And then at the end of the day, another boy get kicked out of camp. So they looking at each other. They're looking at me. We're looking at each other like, what are we going to do now? Such a terrible experience. I, I didn't get to zip line with the counselors. I couldn't go out on the boats. I had to sit in this gym the whole week. But when I look at that situation, it's only God's grace. I knew he was teaching me something. The whole time I'm thinking, how am I responsible for the actions of these students? I don't even know. I don't know you, boy. I had no idea how to handle these folks. See, but what the Lord taught me through that experience was never to be responsible for other folks' kids. Nah. (laughs) He ain't teach me that. But in that week, the Lord challenged he challenged my understanding and my willingness to love humbly and to love sacrificially. See, before that week, loving students was easy to me. I have a heart for students. I have a heart for families. That was just something that was just natural for me. I loved students, and it was easy for me before that week. Before that week, Students will always obey me. I was kind of like the student whisperer. I, I have students like behave in class, but this week wasn't nobody listening to my whispering. They was off the hook. Before that week, my, stu- my service to students hadn't actually cost me much but my time. What God showed me that week was handling other folks' issues ain't fun, ain't fun, but it's necessary, and it was my responsibility. See, this is the message that Paul shares with the Galatians here at the end of the fifth chapter. Dealing with other folks ain't easy, but it's necessary if we're going to be the body of Christ. The text here is a transition from how to handle personal issues through the power of the Holy Spirit to how to handle collective issues in the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the emphasis right here is upon the Holy Spirit's direction, and what are we to do when someone else is caught up in sin? Looking back at just a few verses, what are we to do when someone else is caught up in sexual sin? idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. What are we to do when someone else gets caught up? See, but let me take a moment to put our minds and hearts at ease because this is not a sin hunt. Paul is not calling the Galatians to become private eyes and try to figure out everyone's deepest and darkest secret no, uh, no one is looking to, to put you on blast, yet this is the recognition that sin is destructive and that sin was there. And if sin was in the Galatian church, beloved, sin is in this church. Recognize that sin is destructive and sin is here. And if we're really going to love one another, we're going to have to get involved. Do you really love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Or is that something you just say when you walk in just because you're supposed to say it? Oh, love to see you today. I love y'all. See y'all later. Do you really love me? If you really love me, you would call me on sin. If you really love me, you wouldn't let me be caught up, would you? If you really loved me and I was getting ready to cross the street and a bus was coming by, would you say, oh, well, ain't none of my business? Or would you snatch me out if you really loved me? How do you handle other folks' mess? You know what? Based upon this passage, we handle other folks' mess with the same grace that we've been shown in our own mess. This passage of Scripture is a radical call to get over ourselves and to serve one another. Even though we're we're not strong enough to do this, glory be to God that the Holy Spirit is strong enough to deal with our sin and others' sin. In fact, today's sermon in the sentence is merely, the Holy Spirit empowers you to handle yourself and one another. That's how good God is. He can handle you and me. So even so, Paul instructs, his instructions in the 25th, ver- 25th and 26th verse are paramount to us serving one another well. Why? Before we can handle other folks, we must deal with ourselves. See, this goes back to Galatians 5.16, where he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Praise God for Pastor Jimmy being able to preach through the entire fifth chapter, bringing to our, our mind and our understanding just what uh, uh, the Holy Spirit living looks like. And in preparing the Galatians to serve one another, he reminds them, this is, this is going to be supernatural work. Because in the natural, we have a tendency to, to be mad at other folks and they mess, but we actually are called to live with one another and they mess in order that they may be rescued. This is supernatural. For only the spirit, listen, can take our minds off ourselves. I, our egos are ridiculous. Turn to your neighbor and say, your ego is ridiculous. See, our egos are like our personal hype man. When we walk in our room, our, our ego be like, boom, you in the building. Everybody better recognize you. Say what up? Say what up? Yeah, that's you. Yeah, give him a peek. Give him a shout out. Yeah. And your ego's in the background saying, look at you. I'm up in here. Look at me. You say something nice to somebody, your ego's like, yeah, that was sweet. Do it again. Tell somebody else how nice they look. You know all their clothes wrinkle, but tell them they nice anyway. Yeah. You roll your eyes at somebody because they didn't do what you wanted, and your ego say, "Have yeah, blazed them." I bet you they won't do that again to you. You deserve R E S P E C T, and your ego is just in the background chirping like the spotlight should be on you and not the cross. See what creates. What's created is is like this sports arena. We show up to church, it's like a sporting arena where everybody's keeping score. Everybody's creating competition. And you trying to be LeBron James in the place. Your ego talking about MVP, MVP, MVP. Like you deserve a a trophy. See, beloved, the reason we don't serve others is because we're too busy serving ourselves. See, and Paul addresses the Galatians' proclivity toward conceit by calling them back to a Spirit-filled living. Spirit-filled living says we can handle other folks once the Spirit has handled us. Look at verse 35. 25, I'm sorry. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Paul, on the heels of being instructed to, to walk by the Spirit. The Galatians are now encouraged to keep in step with the Spirit. This, this is a positive reinforcement because, look, he says, let us. This, this is what I want you to do, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. This keep in step. This word is a military term that says you are to walk in line behind the leader. And once you get in line, don't stop following. Once the Holy Spirit fills you and you begin to walk to crucify your flesh by His power, you are not to stop and deviate from the direction of the Holy Spirit. He says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Walk behind. Isn't this the basic idea for discipleship? Conformity to Christ. When we are, uh, uh, when our flesh is being crucified, uh, we're dying in order that we may look like who? Jesus Christ. We're not dying in order to pat ourselves on the back. We're not dying in order to say, look at me. We're dying in order to look more like Jesus. So if we live by the Spirit, we should have no problem following the Spirit. We live by the Spirit, not not to look holy, but to live humbly. When we keep in step with with the Holy Spirit, He allows for supernatural living over our natural living. In our natural flesh, we always want it to be about us. That's just human depravity. We're the center of our own world, of our own universe. This is why Adam and Eve is kicked out the garden, because Eve and Adam, they desired the fruit. Why? Because they would be like God. I want to be like God some days. I, I want to be like God most days. I'm lying. I, I want to be, be my own boss every day. And, and that's my natural proclivities. But the Holy Spirit, it, he overrides my wants and overrides my desires, and he shows me situation after situation. It's not about you. It's about me. The turmoil and the circumstances, it's not because everybody's out for you. You know you was, you know, when you was in school and you got detention and you came home, was, why you get detention? Well, the teacher don't like me. Stop lying. You was talking, you was misbehaving. They don't just not like you. See, that's why we, we approach God, well, well, they just don't like me. No, stop lying. We are sinful. And if it was not for His Holy Spirit, we'll be off the hook. Think about what the Holy Spirit kept you from this week. What phone call didn't you take because of the Holy Spirit? What aisle in the grocery store did you pass because of the Holy Spirit? What driveway did you and didn't you pull in because of the Holy Spirit? What did your mouth say, didn't say because of the Holy Spirit? If it was not God working in our life, 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year, where would you be? Where would I be apart from God working in me supernaturally to tame and crucify his flesh? We're desperately wicked. But after that positive reinforcement of let us do this, Paul comes back with that negative reinforcement, and he says, let us not. Let us not what? Let us not become conceited. See, supernatural living will produce a proper posture for your heart. And he says, don't become conceited. This this word conceited means it's puffed up. Haughty. Vainglory. Empty of honor. To be conceited is you, you think more of yourself than what you really are. And it's not because of your performance. We're conceited actually because we're deeply insecure. So what we do is is we produce a false self because I'm not satisfied with really how Jesus created and gifted me. So I begin to have this false self that I show everyone else. And when others aren't living up to my expectations of my false self, then I look down on them it's like, look at you. What is wrong with you? Why can't you get it together? Beloved, we can't get it together if it wasn't for Jesus. He says, don't be puffed up, because when you're puffed up, that leads to competition within the body of Christ. And here's the competition. I love what Paul does. He goes from top to bottom. He says, winner and loser, because he says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another. That's the position of the winner. Look at me. Don't you wish you'd be like me? Or better yet, how come you're not like me, provoking one another? Oh, uh, look what they got on. I would never do such a thing. Provoking one another. Because we believe we're superior. But then on the, the flip side of he says, envying one another. This is the, the, the loser, the inferior person who, who's always saying, ah, oh, look at them. they think they all that. It don't take that much. Why are they always looking at me? I know I've been gone for two months. Why are everybody saying they miss me? That's the low side. And it becomes this competition in the body, the superior against the inferior. The the superior person is the person you can't tell anything because they already know it. They They may not be living it, but they know it. And the inferior person is the person you can't tell enough. You have to keep stroking their ego. You have to keep on pouring into them. Like don't I I I don't have to pour into you because the, the, the water of life is living in you, if you got the Holy Spirit. I I don't don't keep looking to me to pour into you. Because God already got you. So he says that there's this competition between the winners or the losers of the church. Why? Because we're conceited. We're puffed up thinking more highly of ourselves than what we really are. And beloved, see, this is the key. What we think about ourselves determines how we treat others. Because if you think you're superior, then you say, I can't be bothered with them. But if you think you're inferior, you say things like, why do they get to do all this See, this begs the question, why are we competing with one another anyway? I mean, it's like showing up to a, a, a children's basketball game, like elementary school, and, and you got the red team and the green team, but there's only one basketball, and the green team, like, stealing the ball from themselves. Like, you ever see the kid, he dribbling down the court, and, and their own teammate comes and pushes them down and takes the ball? and we look at the kids like, oh, they don't know how to play this game. Beloved, when we walk in the Christian life and somebody is trying to go down the court with the ball for the glory of Jesus, you can't just run up and push them down and steal the ball. This is not a competition. We're on the same team. We're trying to score goals and get buckets for Jesus. We ain't, we ain't trying to pad our stats. It's, 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 it's Two seconds left, and we want the triple-double, so we say, hey, throw the ball to me. Well, it's not about our stats. When we get to glory, it's not going to be, what's your stat line? When we get to glory, it's going to be like, praise Jesus. I'm unworthy to even be here. Beloved, whose team are you on? Whose team are you on? But you know what? It is complicated, though. Because the reason why we're conceited sometimes comes from the pain that we've experienced in life. And and we become conceited because we actually want to feel better about ourselves. So we create that false self to protect ourselves from the pain. But at what cost? This reminds me of Jesus' words in Mark, the third chapter, beginning with the 22nd verse, where he says... And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? The, Jesus is, is, is doing these miracles and the haters are coming. And, and, and they actually accuse Jesus of being a pawn of Satan and saying that Satan is, is, is working against himself. And Jesus says, What sense does that make for anyone to work against himself?" And he says, how can Satan cast out Satan? You attribute my miracles to the work of Satan? But everybody knows if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but it's coming to an end. Beloved, if we have competition with one another, we are a house Divided. And if we are a house divided, then we are a house that cannot stand. And if we cannot stand, then the enemy will come in and, and bind us up and do whatever he wants with us. What is the cost of our selfishness? But we have received the spirit that we may be unified in pursuing the glory of Christ. But isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? He presses us and pushes us towards Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit is pushing you towards Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is pushing me towards Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is pushing the door greeters towards Jesus, and he's pushing the Sunday school teachers towards Jesus... And he's pushing the praise team towards Jesus and the deacons towards Jesus and the finance committee towards Jesus and the nursery towards Jesus and and everyone in here towards Jesus. If we're all focused on Jesus, we ain't got time to be on other teams, be fighting with one another. It's one team. And, beloved, that issue of pain, The Holy Spirit works wonders when it comes to our brokenness. When we stop looking for the world to heal us and actually surrender to Jesus, we will be healed of that pain. Because satisfaction comes from knowing that you're accepted because of what Jesus has done. So we handle other folks by handling ourselves first. And once we have that proper posture towards one another, then we're ready to serve one another. Paul immediately drives us to, to the one issue that not only sh- destroys lives, but it destroys churches if left unchecked, and that, that issue is sin. No, we don't 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 try to be super spiritual today, all right? Everyone deals with temptation and 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 and, and sin daily. Because sin has so corrupted us. Sin is so pervasive. No matter who you are, there will be times in your life where you get caught in sin. It comes with the territory. Please don't be that guy. Don't be that girl that's talking about, no, not me. Yes, you. Ask any basketball player if they ever jammed a finger or twisted an ankle. Ask any sprinter if they ever put a hamstring. Ask any mother if they've ever been threw up on by their child. It just comes with the territory. If you are a Christian, you're going to be dealing with sin. You're going to be struggling with temptation. And there's going to be times when you fall on your face. Sin will get the best of you. And those are the times where you need to be rescued. Look with me at verse 1 in the 6th chapter. Paul instructs the Galatians on how to handle other folks' sin. And he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual shall restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This one verse is so packed, it is so pregnant with truth, We we have to just go word by word just for a moment because we have to understand the implications of this verse. He starts off and he says, brothers, this is a family conversation. This is for his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not concerned about uh, unbelievers or, or people in the world. He's concerned about folks in the church, brothers. And he says immediately, if anyone, anyone, there's no limitations to being caught in sin. Anyone. You could be an old saint. You could be a young saint. You could be mature, immature. Anyone. If anyone is, and it's, it's the, in, the, in the sense, he is saying that don't be surprised when people fall into sin, no matter what their position is in the church. Don't put, don't put the pastor on, on a certain level where you think that he don't sin. My wife would tell you I sin a whole lot. But, but then don't look at yourself well I' just I just go to church. I don't have no responsibility. anyone. and he, and he says he uses his word if anyone is caught this word here is, means detected if you've been overtaken surprise. It's it's something sudden. We didn't see it coming. You you weren't trying to fight it ahead of time. It just kind of crept up on you. You didn't realize because we all have blind spots. If anyone is caught in any transgression, that protects us from saying things like, oh, I would never do that. Beloved, you know it's only by the grace of God that you haven't done that already. And then, then he says, you who are spiritual. Is he talking about this elite force in the church, the spiritual ninjas, the Navy SEALs? Nah. He says, you who are spiritual, you who are walking by the Spirit, you who are keeping step. What, what he's saying is, you folks that's already dealt with your own sin, I want you to start dealing with other folks' sin. Don't think that you got it all together and you can just chill out. I got work for you to do. You who are spiritual. You know, this reminds me of like the illustration we like to use, that the, the, the church is a hospital for sick people. You absolutely right. But guess what? The hospital has workers. When you show up to the hospital, if everybody was sick, who could help you? When you show up to the hospital, you're going to need somebody to be a doctor. You're going to need somebody to be a nurse somebody going to have to draw your blood, somebody going to have to take your blood pressure, Somebody's going to have to set you up in a room where you need to go, somebody's going to have to bring you a cup of water so you can take your aspirin, somebody's going to have to do something, and if we keep showing up to church expecting everybody else to do something when we ain't doing nothing, how can we be the hospital for sick people and ain't nobody being healed? We need x-ray techs and specialists. Y'all know how hard it is to find a doctor in your network? So why, so why, why should we find it so hard to find somebody to do life with when we walk in this door? Why, we can't, why is it so hard to find somebody who cares about you in this door? If, it, if you showed up to the hospital, come on somebody, and you went to the emergency room, and you checked yourself in, and nobody showed up to check you, you have a problem with that. So why we show up in here week after week, you don't talk to nobody, and don't nobody talk to you. If this is a hospital, somebody got to diagnose your illness. Somebody got to take your temperature. But if I ain't talking about what's, what's, what's ailing me, then I can't get a diagnosis, can I? And if I don't make myself available for somebody, if I just walk out the door as soon as church over with and I ain't talking to nobody, I ain't loving one another. I'm loving myself because my dinner is in the oven and I don't want nothing to burn because I want to eat when I want to eat. You who are spiritual, And he says, restore him or her. This is a powerful word here because in the original language, it's it's, it's a verb used for setting bones. And what he's saying is, when someone is caught into sin, it's like seeing someone with a dislocated finger. And you know how you ever see someone with a dislocated finger that... Like, their hand going this way, that finger be, like, way over here. Like, it's out of joint. And, but in order to bring it back into right alignment, some pain is going to be caused when you snatch it back. You know, you snatch it back, you go like, ow! But then when it's back, you're like, okay, I feels good. Beloved, when we restore people, it's going to hurt them for a second. But when we get them right back on track, that means everything is going to work itself out and they're going to start feeling well once. See, if your life is off the hook today, if your life is out of order today, if you are dislocated from the body of Christ, you're going to deal with pain until somebody restores you. Somebody's going to have to snatch your life and get you back in alignment in order for you to be healed. It's painful, but it's a healing painful. It's not arbitrary. You who are spiritual should restore him. And here's the key right here in a spirit of gentleness. A spirit of gentleness. If we even think back just a few scriptures, Holy Spirit living produces something in us, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. So, what he's saying is as you are keeping in step with the Spirit, you will be able to restore people with the gentleness that's produced by the Spirit. This is not a worldly gentleness. This is not, I'm just going to pass over your sin because we just love everybody. This is no. I'm going to deal with your sin, but I ain't going to put you on blast I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to work with you. I'm going to do life with you. I'm going to be patient with you. And, and, and we know we have to get some things back together. I'm going to do it with a spirit of gentleness, not a spirit of frustration, not a spirit of anger, not a spirit of bitterness, not a spirit of gossip. girl. You know what they've been doing over there? No, a spirit of gentleness. From this morning's Sunday school lesson, I just thought it was fantastic that they they laid out the point. Why are we so mean to one another? And basically it says because we judge people around us more harshly than we judge ourselves. Why do we do that? See, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt but we don't give it to others. And if I'm correct, the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 says love hopes all things. That means that I need to give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. I don't know what happened to you last night. Your kids may have had you up all night long. That's why you cranky. But, but when you snipped at me, I take it personal. Now, I don't want to deal with you at all. Life is complicated. You would give yourself a benefit of the doubt. If, if you could explain yourself and say, you know what? I had a long night, and the kids were up, and such and such was sick, and, and the dog was barking, and all the fireworks was going off all night. I ain't getting no sleep. It's, if you able to explain yourself, then sometimes you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. But people ain't got to explain themselves to you all the time or me all the time. Sometimes we're just going to have to hope all things. When we see a brother or sister caught in sin, we have to run to their rescue. You know, I'm, I'm reading this book right now entitled Extreme Ownership, and it's about, it's written by two Navy SEALs, and they're talking about their 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 operations in the Middle East. And they had one situation where a local chief had his son uh, who was kidnapped, and they were holding uh, his son hostage, and they began to, uh, work all this kind of intel to figure out where he was and what were uh, what was going on uh, inside of the home, how many guards were outside of the home, and, and what type of defenses that were in place. But they, they they had in their mind, no matter how many guards there were, mm. no matter what defenses were set up to try to stop them, no matter if the if the plan changed at the last minute, they were going on this mission. And when they showed up for the mission, they had been trained so thoroughly and so well that even though the plan changed a little bit, they were still able to rescue the chief's son. Beloved, are we more than just military men and women? We are the army of the Lord, the body of Christ. And when sin has our brothers or sister held hostage, we have to run in, no matter what defenses they may have up, and rescue them. Like a hostage situation. Sin has got some of us hooked today. We have to run in. So, how do we handle other folks' sin? We handle other folks' sin humbly. Humbly. He finished this scripture. He says, Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. What is he talking about? In some ways, he's talking about don't fall into that same type of sin. Because sometimes when we find out how good that sin is to someone else, like we want to try to, like you want to, you want to hit to, like no, nah, I'm not gonna fall in that sin. I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. We we rescue them out, uh, and but then there's there's the sense of we don't want to be tempted to. We don't we don't, bruh. You don't need to be calling that girl talking about oh it's gonna be all right. You, you don't need to be rubbing her on her back because you're gonna be a stumbling block too. So like like. Keep watch on yourself, lest you two be tempted. Curiosity, uh, get a hold of you. But what he's really talking about here where he says, lest you two be tempted, he's really talking about this is a warning against pride. Don't you look at their situation thinking that you can't fall too. That's what he's saying. What, What he's saying is stop leaving fellow soldiers on the field wounded. Stop leaving them behind. We're not going to kill our wounded. We're going to serve them. We're not going to gossip about our wounded. We're going to lift them up. See, justification by faith frees us to restore one another. Because it reminds me that it but, but God's grace upon my life, that I, I, I stand convicted at the foot of the cross, that I... I'm in desperate need of grace each and every day. See, justification by faith reminds me I didn't save myself because I was so good. But Jesus came and rescued me. See, but then justification by faith frees us to receive restoration. Because now I'm not, I'm not ashamed that everybody knows my business. I'm excited to be delivered. I'm not worried about what they may say because the worst thing that was said about me was already nailed to Calvary's cross. When, when situations rise up, I don't have to be worried or concerned about the world. All I need to know is that I'm accepted because of the blood of Jesus. So quickly, what do we do? How do we restore someone? Here's a couple ways that, that we want to be working here. We want to ask ourselves first before you run in. Is my desire to confront spirit field. Why you want to get in a business? Do you really want to serve them? Or do you really want to serve yourself? We want to confront over things that really matter and not preferences. They didn't grow up in your home. They don't do things like you do. We, 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 can, we can go to war over preferences. Let y'all show up next Sunday and all the carpet change a different color. Oh, boy. We're we not going to war over preferences. We're going to war over sin. And then he says, what we need to do is, he pointed this out to Peter Confrontation should take place when someone is not in step with the gospel. Isn't that what Paul said to Peter? See, I, and I, I, He, he says I had a conversation with Peter because his behavior was not in step with the gospel. But you know what? We, we need to restore like Jesus. How does Jesus restore? Well, if you think back to John, the 21st chapter, Jesus is eating with Peter. And what does Jesus say to Peter? He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you, Lord. Jesus asks him one more time. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, oh, Lord, you you know I love you. Jesus says this one more time, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. When we restore people uh, many times all we have to do is remind that person, do you love Jesus? You show up sure at their house, don't, don't beat them over the head. Just remind them of their love they once had for Jesus. I know you caught in a sin, but, but do you love Jesus? I know you got some issues and some burdens going on in your life, but do you remember your love for Jesus? And by the end of that conversation, that person may be have a breakthrough because they remember their love for Jesus, not what you said. When we restore, we have to restore with the focus of bringing people back into relationship to Jesus. Not that they should just live right. We restore people so that they can love the King. Here at Forest Baptist Church, this is how we want restoration to take place two things I want you to do today. First, before you leave, let someone know today that they have permission to speak into your life. We're talking about one another, right? Sometimes people just need permission to touch your life. So before we leave, let's make it easy for one another and tell somebody, hey, you know what? You got permission to tell me when I'm acting a fool. But then if no one shows up to give you permission and you have a relationship with somebody, sometimes, you, this is the second way, you go to that person and you say, may I have permission to speak a few things into your life? So know now when somebody walk up to you and they start talking about permission, don't get defensive, don't act like you don't know what's going on, because if we're going to read this Bible, we're going to breathe this Bible, and we're going to live this Bible, and we, we're going to get into each other's lives, and we're going to restore one another in order that we would all love Jesus together. Beloved, we handle folks' sin humbly because Jesus handled our sin humbly. Jesus handling our sin, the text says he didn't say a mumbling word. Jesus was like a sheep being led to the slaughter. Jesus wasn't all defensive and talking about, but it wasn't me. Jesus wasn't talking about, but you got the wrong man. Jesus wasn't concerned about, but they did it. Why am I here? Jesus knew why he had come, and it was to rescue sinners such as ourselves. So when Jesus laid down his life, he laid down his life and he gave it as a sacrifice that you and I can enter into a relationship with the Father through the blood of Jesus. And beloved, sometimes we're going to have to lay down our lives if we want to restore someone back into a relationship. We're going to have to give up our comfort, give up our conveniences, give up our time in order to love one another well. Beloved, and an indication of a spirit-filled life in a spirit-filled church is that confrontation and restoration is taking place. Don't worry about the fear and the shame. Worry about our love for Jesus. And if you're being restored, don't worry about the fear and the shame. Just remember how it felt when you was freed to serve Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. I ask that you would apply this to our lives, that we may live this out. Make us a humble, gentle people. But whatever hurts have transpired in our own lives, even now, Lord, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring healing, you would bring restoration, reconciliation, that we may be able to love others well, that the name of Jesus would be magnified, that you would be glorified, for your word declares, oh God, they would know your disciples by the love that they have for one another. Father, help us to love one another for real. May we live humbly before one another, not conceited, keeping watch on ourselves as we too be tempted. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen.